Welcome to the New Beginning Fellowship Church Sermon Podcast. We are glad you are listening to the teaching of the Word of the Lord. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. We also pray that this message is only supplemental to your spiritual growth instead of being a replacement for daily personal Bible study, the pastor you should be submitted to, or the church God would have you to be an active member of. If you live within driving distance of Brobridge, Louisiana, we hope that you would come to visit us during one of our services on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Service times, ministry information, and giving options are all located on our website at newbeginningfc.com or on our Facebook page at New Beginning Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. We're just going to do a little bit of reading this morning, but then I really want to focus on one or two or three verses out of all of it. Uh, we'll just begin in um, <clears throat> verse 18, and we're talking here about the future glory. Uh, let me just give a real quick uh, run through through the chapter. Verses 1 through, um, I would say, 11 deals with life in the Spirit, how we have victory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And then it starts speaking what, what Christ has specifically done for us. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has what? That's right, the law of sin and death. So he's dealt with it once and for all at the cross. So we have victory because of that. When we come to, uh, to, uh, to confession in Christ of our sins and believing on him for that, we are born again and the spirit of God dwells within us. And Amen. And God has given us the power within us to help us to live that godly life. So we continue from that point. Then it starts talking about how we are joint heirs with Christ. We're in verses 12 through 17. And it talks about that right there. But then we get to verse 18 and all the way to the end of this chapter. It talks about the future glory. Now, I just want to talk about that a little bit this morning. But let's just read all these scriptures. We'll continue. So please bear with me. He said, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for we, as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Here's one of the key verses. And we know that for those who love God, amen, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, 
he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Verse 31, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with them graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who, sh who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for we are, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. No, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor depth, nor height, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can we pray? Father, we ask for your anointing this morning. We know your word is anointed. We know that your spirit is anointed. You use this frail vessel to do what you want done this morning. I ask that the people would be edified. They would receive your word, Lord. Move, Holy Spirit, in our hearts and minds. Help us. Help us to continue to fall in love with Jesus. Amen. To continue to ask for him to help us in all our ways and all that we are dealing with and to continue just to serve him and to love one another. And we thank you for all this in Jesus' name and the church says amen. So let's go ahead and go back to verse 28. And this is a very popular scripture, right? One of, your, you know, one of the brethren are going through something and you, we quote this scripture right away. And all things will work good for those. Amen. And you just quote it to him. And it's true. It really is true of those things. So it says, and we know for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And so we see a couple of conditions here. One is saying we need to love God, right? Now, how can you love God if you're not redeemed? So obviously, the person has to be redeemed in order to love God, right? None of us went looking for God when we were in our misery and our sin, right? He came looking for us. And so he, once he saved us, he has imputed the divine nature, which also consists of the Holy Spirit who gives us the love of God in our heart. So we are able to love him back in that way. Amen. I know that that's a worldly love, you know. Uh, you see it you know, with family and children. But this love of God is different. Amen. It's something that cannot be destroyed. It's something that's going to last ever, forever. Why? Because in 1 John it said, God is is love, love. And so we continue with that. It said, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called, right, called according to my purpose. Whose purpose? Right, his purpose. And so praise God. So we'll get into a little bit. But what I want to do now, we're going to run through the life of Joseph, Joseph's life right now. Because this is a perfect picture of what, how God is still in control. And yet even Joseph went through some things. But yet the Bible keeps referring in them chapters that the Lord was with Joseph. And we need to hear that. How many of you need to hear that right now? Somebody needs to hear that right now, right? The Lord is with you, my sister. The Lord is with you, my brother. 
No matter where you're at this moment, he is with you. And we're going to see a phenomenal example of how much God loves us and how much he sees all that we go through and how he orchestrates things in the background. He is still going to have his purpose and his will be done. It's just us being frail people that we are. We make a lot of mistakes and we follow in this and that. But yet God will still have his way because he's already had a plan from the foundations of the world. This plan was already set up within the Godhead to do what he is about to do, and he is doing. So can we go to uh, Genesis chapter 39? Thank you, Jesus. I love this story. I know that we know that the life of uh, Joseph is also a type of Christ in many different ways. And we can go into detail for that, but we won't. We're just going to stick with the storyline. And we know that um, Joseph was called of God. Amen? Amen? Was he called of God? Come on. And God had a plan for his life, right? He had a purpose for his life. And, you know, we see the story where um, we see a situation where his father favored him more than the other brothers. And it's understandable, right? All the older brothers, he's worked with them, and they're knuckleheads, and they're hard-headed. But there's just something different about Joseph. He seems to incline closer to the Lord and all that. And so the father sees this. You know, Jacob sees this in his son. And so what does he do? He makes him a coat of many colors, right? And then he's overseer of his older brothers. And so he was honest. He was a hard worker. And he, one day his brothers were doing something they shouldn't do. The Bible doesn't specifically say what they did, but he went and told his dad, they're doing wrong. So they were upset with him after that. And they were jealous because dad made the coat of many colors for him and all these different things. And so Joseph is a young man, I believe, that really knew that God had a touch in his life and a calling for his life. And so he's excited. And at that age, he doesn't really understand the responsibility of, of really being an overseer or having to take charge of something. So, you know, there's still the little spoiled brat that's in him because he's daddy's favorite. And so we see that this, and so he has the dreams, right? He has two dreams, and then that even adds even more fuel to the fire that, you know, they're really jealous of their, of their brother. And so we continue in the story that it comes to a point that Joseph goes out to go see where the brothers are at. They're not the location they're supposed to be at. So some man directs him to tell him exactly where they're at. So he finds them, and they're like, wow, he found us. So they come up with this plan. But you know what? We're going to kill him. Can you imagine that? We're going to kill him. But Reuben said, no, no, no. Let's not do that. Here's a pit over here. Let's just throw him in the pit. Let's throw him in this pit right there. So Reuben was just trying to buy time to figure out how am I going to be able to deliver my brother. And so we know the story. He's put in the pit. And they stripped him of his coat of many colors. And they're sitting around. Reuben is gone. And then all of a sudden here we got the Ishmaelites passing by who are headed towards Egypt. And we know the story. They sold their brother into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. And so can you imagine what's going on in Joseph's mind, knowing that he knows that there's a purpose in his life. God's got something special for him to do. He's given him dreams. He's already got favor with his dad. He's already had responsibility to be an overseer. And yet all of a sudden his dreams and everything had just fell apart. And so what can he do but yet go? He is forced. More likely, they um, tied him up and everything to take him to Egypt. 
So the brothers come up with this uh, crazy line, get the cut of many, uh, coat of many colors, tear it all up and put some animal's blood upon it and bring it to the father and said, is this Joseph's coat of many colors? And the father said, yes, indeed it is. He must have got killed by an animal. And so Joseph is being transported to Egypt. And so, you know, I, one thing that I'm, I, what I love about the story of Joseph, I wish there would have been a little bit more detail, but the word is the word. It doesn't really say, you know, if he struggled, or there was any kind of pity or any of that. But I'm sure he did. We're all human. We all go through it. And so, you know, here he is. He was in a familiar place with his family, his occupation. Now, all of a sudden, he doesn't even know really where he's going. And so they got him, and they're taking him to the land of Egypt. And he's like, wow, you know, I'm never going to see my family again. I'm never, you know, I'm never, everything right now is unfamiliar for me, very uncomfortable. But I'm going to trust God. And at that time, as these things are going on, as man has done their things and their choice and the evil and the brothers towards Joseph, God is still working out a plan in the background, right? As soon as he pulls up, isn't it, it happened chance? Was it happened chance? It was a God-appointed moment The Potiphar went there to buy a slave, and he bought Joseph. So he went from a familiar place, now he's somewhere very unfamiliar, barbaric really. He's going to have to learn the language and all that. And now he's a slave. But you know what the Bible says about this? That the Lord was with Joseph. Even all the way in Egypt, the Lord was with Joseph. And so we know the story. He starts working hard and Potiphar it catches he catches Potiphar's eye, and he knows there's something different about this young man. It seems like whatever he does, it's blessed. And you know what? I'm going to give him some more responsibility. And so Joseph is just doing what is right. He wants to please his God. He just wants to start working. He's like, while I'm here, what should I do? I could sit in a pity part or just quit or keep going. And he continues to keep going because he wanted to please his God. He didn't understand his circumstances but he's just going to keep going and serving God. And because out of that faith and his attitude, we see that then he was elevated as the overseer over Potiphar's home, right? He was overseer of everything. So what do you think is going on in his heart and his mind? Wow, you know, I had this bad experience of being slow, uh, sold into slavery, and now look at me now. Now the Lord's starting to bless again, and I'm starting to get up a little. You know, I'm starting, things are changing a little. And so he's doing what is right. And so we know the next incident is Potiphar's wife had a liking for him and was trying to persuade him to sin. And I like what Joseph said. He said, no. He goes, I'll be sinning against God. He said directly the truth that not only that was a sin, but it was a sin against his God. And so she continued to tempt him in this way. And you're talking... You know, he was with Potiphar for about 11 years as a servant and all. Think about that. The Bible doesn't specifically say how long this was going on. She kept tempting him and tempting him and tempting him. And he kept just, no, no, no. To finally, we know the story. One day, she catches him in the house and was really aggressive. And he took off running, right? And she got a piece of his garment and accused him falsely. Think, think what I'm telling you. Is this your life sometimes? Sometimes when things are going smooth and all of a sudden there's a left turn up just ahead on the road. 
something is happening. You're like, God, what is going on? Why is this happening to me? Why do I got to go through this? Why? And so the Bible says that he was interrogated. Potiphar had a talk with him. And for some reason, think about what I'm about to tell you. And you know the story. He did not execute him, even though by that law, he should have been. Because there was just something that Potiphar knew about Joseph that he was different. And so he was stuck in a hard place. His wife, Joseph, how do I deal with this situation? I'll tell you what. I'll put him in prison. Possibly think about it. Who knows? Who knows exactly? That's my mindset, how I look at it. That's why I think that he would just put him in there just to buy some time and all that. And so here we go again. Joseph was doing good, real good, and all of a sudden now this came up. And it's not his fault, right? He's doing what's right. He's glorifying God. He's walking uprightly. And now he's been falsely accused. And now he's been sent to prison. And what does the Bible say again? The Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph even in the prison. So here he goes again. He has the choice of either having a pity party, which I know he probably more likely he did every now and then, missing his family. But yet, he knew that the Lord was with them. He knew that God was with them, and he was just going to have to just deal with the situation. But he knew that he was not dealing with the situation all by himself because God is with him. Have you, have you ever found yourself there? All alone, you're going through something. And yet God is with you. I just want to use this as an example of God. He's sovereign. He's still in control. Even things happen within our life. He is still in control. And it's hard sometimes to walk through some difficult places. And, and, and it's easy to very say real quickly that, you know, question God, where are you? And why has this happened to me? Well, let's continue. So, here, here's Joseph again. He's in prison and he's doing good. And all of a sudden, they make him the overseer in the prison system. Uh, the, the prison guard seeing something different again, saying, hey, this guy, you know, we can use him in here. I just like the attitude that Joseph has had. He's a young man. All these things have happened to him. He's, he's starting to grow up now. And every time he's been put in a difficult situation, what has he done? He continues to do what is right. He continues to do what is right, and continues to trust God. Is that always easy for us? When, we're in a, when we are in a very difficult situation, when things are happening, it's not. It's not so. Here we go again with God's appointed time. What happened when he was in prison? Well, a couple of Pharaoh's servants were brought in, right, in question for whatever they did, and they're trying to figure out what they did. And so, you know, Joseph gets around him, and one of them starts talking about their dreams, and he's able to interpret it. And then the second one came with the dream, and he interpreted that one. And it came to pass to the T. One was hanged, and one was restored back into Pharaoh's palace. God appointed time again. Mm. Have you been there? In a place that's hard. So we continue. 
the cupbearer that was able was spared and went put back into his rightful place. Joseph told him before he left the prison, please remember me. Please remember me and tell Pharaoh. And the Bible says that he forgot about him and he didn't remember him. But this is God's planning. So that means that Joseph is going to be a little bit longer in prison and he's probably just waiting for something to happen. And two years later, after two years, nothing has happened yet. And so I'm pretty sure at this point, he's probably discouraging all that he's been going through and not understanding what he's going through. We go through it. I'm telling you. It's easy to praise God when things are going good. It's so different when things are not going good. It's very difficult, and God understands that, and we fail him many times in that, but yet he is still faithful unto us, and that's something that we can grasp onto. But there came a day. There's Joseph doing the same old thing, being obedient, a hard worker, just loving his God. And let's just say technically there was a, a knock on the door. Come on in. It was Pharaoh's servants that came to get Joseph because finally the cupbearer remembered. Because the Pharaoh has had some dream, a dream that has dreams that have disturbed him, and none of his men could interpret them or any way. Nobody in his court, not the magicians, not the wife, and nobody. But that cupbearer, at God's appointed time, said, I know a man, a Hebrew, that's in prison, that interpreted my dream, and it came, it came to pass exactly as he said. And so God sends his servants to go get Joseph out of prison and brings him before Pharaoh's presence. And Pharaoh asked him if he could interpret the dreams, and well, Joseph gives credit where credit is due, said, I can't, but my God can. And God will reveal to you, Pharaoh, what he's trying to show you. So we learned the story that it ended up being seven years of plenty and harvest and then seven years of famine. This all comes to the plan of God, which is the meta story of God's, the whole story of the Bible is creation, the fall, and redemption. We see the story now, what God was doing, even though all these things befell Joseph God still had a plan for his life, and look where God put him at. Think about that. He comes before the Pharaoh. He interprets the dreams. Pharaoh's looking around, amazed with this, and saying, wow. And said, well, who else could, could, could help us in this situation? This man right here, the spirit of the God is within him. You're going to be in charge, Joseph. You are going to be second in command. And the only thing that is different between me and you is my throne. I'm above you. But you are in charge. We're going to trust you to deal with the situation that's about to come into the whole land. Well, at the same time, all these years, Joseph's brothers think that their sin has been covered and it is hidden. And it's not going to be exposed, but yet it's going to be. Do we remember the story? Do we remember exactly what happened? God's sovereign power placed Joseph, there in Egypt, specifically, specifically, not only to save all the lives of the Egyptians, but also for his father's house, Jacob and all those that were in there. Why? Because of the Abrahamic covenant and because God was promising that seed that would come later on through Jesus Christ. You see God's plan? 
Joseph didn't understand. And sometimes we don't understand. We don't understand some of the things that we're going through. But God has his hand upon you. He has a plan for each and every one of you. Specifically, corporately, but then individually. He has a plan for you. And we have to understand that. So that when things do get hard, and they do, and difficult, and we hurt, we know in whom we can trust no matter what. To love God. And to be called according to his purpose, right? He called us, saved us, and now we are going to be in his purpose. And his purpose is what? To redeem us unto himself and to have us be conformed into the image of his son and ultimately to prepare us for glory, in other words, for eternity. It is very difficult for us to be in the here and now with the difficulties of life and all that we see to be able to focus on that sometimes, that God does have a plan. It, it, all, it is going to work out. It is going to work out because God is in control. He is in control of your life. Amen? Sometimes we might veer to the left or to the right like Abraham and like everybody else, but he has his hand upon you. And I want you to know he sees the pain that you're going through. He sees the heartache. He sees the regret and the shame, but yet he still has a plan for you because he has his hand upon you. Can you get that this morning? He has your, his hand upon you. You're like, man, I'm in a mess. I'm discouraged. I don't know what to do. I can't even see tomorrow. But yet he has a plan. He's going to keep you. He keeps us with this right hand of his power and who he is. And we've seen a perfect demonstration with Joseph all that God did in his life. As he was going through all these things, God was working it out until finally he got to his destination, what God was calling him to do. Amen. He says that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And I'm here to tell you, that story doesn't always end that way in this lifetime. It was good for Joseph at all because of the plan of God in that. But what do we do about a person that has cancer? And they're a believer. Amen. And they believe God for healing. And they're trusting God. And then all of a sudden they pass away. All things are still working for the good. Yes, their loved one is going to miss them. Nobody wants to see any of our loved ones die. But they've finally gone to their final destination of being glorified. You see, it's still going to work all good. We have the mindset of this temporal place, time, space, and matter. This earth, which is, you know, true. But it's just a probation place for us. It's just the place that we're going through, we're passing through. And yet there is heaven. And heaven's only heaven because God is there. If God was not there, it wouldn't be heaven, his presence. And he's here for us. There's so much more that God wants to do in our life. We just got to go according to his word and his purpose. And the times that we are veering off, Lord, forgive me. Just help me just to walk in what you want me to walk through and what I need to learn. And so many times we ask God to do something. We ask him, make me, conform me into the image of your son. And then things start permitting to happen in our life. And then we get uncomfortable and we say, Lord, pull me out of this fire. I could not handle what God's saying. I'm doing a work through you. I'm doing something special through you. 
Why could Paul say this? Paul is one of the best examples in the Bible of somebody that suffered so much right next to Jesus. All the stuff that Jesus went through in his earthly ministry was phenomenal. How they came against him. But Paul, how many times was he shipwrecked? How many times was he beaten? All the things that he went through. And yet he knew that God had a purpose for his life. There was a calling in his life. And no matter what was going to come, he was going to serve God the best he could and trust God's hand to deliver him in the situations that he found himself. And I'll tell you one thing. Let's be honest. It's so much easier to quit, right? Sometimes it just be like, I want to quit. I just can't handle this no more. But this is what the Lord told the Apostle Paul when he had the great, when he's talking about division, whether he was in the body or out of the body. We know the story that uh, a messenger of Satan came to buffet him, and there was a thorn in his side. There's a reason why. But as the Lord called out to him and said, I've asked you twice, three times to take this from me, and the Lord said, no. And this is what we need to get. My grace is sufficient for you. Amen. I'm telling you, he has a plan for your life. And I have to be honest with you, sometimes that plan comes with many difficulty and sorrows and sickness, but it's all according to his plan. I'm not saying that he puts sickness and things like that in our life. Don't get me wrong. Those things happen because of the fallen nature that we live in and sin. But yet he's still in control and he's trying to do something within our life. Maybe the difficulty that you're going through is because you prayed out and you asked God, you want your son, your daughter, your mother-in-law, your neighbor, your coworker, somebody saved. It has been permitted for things to happen that they would see the grace of God in your life. And they would see that, you know what, this person is still serving God. They have a person. They have a purpose. And they understand that their final destination is not this earth, but one day to be with the Lord. Glorified. Come on. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. His purpose is, is that he came. They had the plan of redemption before the foundation of the world. The Godhead came up with this plan. Nothing caught God by surprise, right? He's all for knowledge. He knows what's going on. It is us that are trapped in this, this world. But he's the God. He's the eternal God that reigns over even time and space. He sees the eternity past. He sees us right here in the moment, and he knows what's going to happen in the future. Amen. Trust God this morning. He has you in his hands. No matter what, he's going to see you through because we've been called. We've been chosen, uh, predestined. I'm not going to get into that. Or the, you know, that's the... <laughs> And all these things, we've been called and all that. Amen. We've been justified. And one day, it's funny how Paul says this, glorified like it's past tense. But in God's mind, it's already done because he sees us as finished product in the end. Isn't that powerful? That we can read that scripture and say, amen. Right? It says that even we groan for things to change. For the adoptions of sons. In other words, to completely be able to have all that salvation. To be completely in glory that our bodies have been transformed. Ain't no grave is going to hold my body down. Amen. This is complete salvation. Complete 
glorification. If that's something we, we can shout about. It's something we need to remember when we are going through some things. Paul was a good example of somebody going through it. And yet, it all worked out good for him. So good that he got martyred. Amen. Tradition says that when he was brought to the Colosseum, he ran to his executioner. He didn't walk. And tradition says that he was beheaded. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. Paul understood these scriptures. He understood there's more than just this lifetime. Even though we're going to live in it, we have families. Yes, we enjoy it. We have to strive through here. But there's more. There's this kingdom that I'm involved in right now. But will one day be manifested forever. A kingdom that will never end. I said earlier that the the government shall rest upon whose shoulders? Jesus. There will be no more corruption or bribes or anything. It's going to be a complete, perfect government. And that's something to shout about. Amen. Let's see what else. There's a scripture I want to share real quick. As far as um, back in Romans chapter 8. I like what Paul says before he starts going into talking about, well, he started with the glory on that one. Let me find it real quick. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's phenomenal what he says. Let's go to verse 18. This is what Paul says. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. It's like a scale. Amen. This is us, this is the year, this is our problems and the afflictions. And yeah. but one day, when we enter into heaven, when that, the weight of that glory drops on that scale, that's it. We're going to know that what we went through, all the heartache, all the pain was worth it because he is worth it. It's not easy for us to confess that right now at this moment. But there's coming a day that we are going to see him. We're going to be amazed. And we see him for his, who he is in his glory. We're going to say, man, I could have did more without with that hurt. But God knows us. When we finally get to see our beloved one, our precious one, we will say it was worth it. It was worth the affliction. It was worth all that we went through for his glory. Amen. Isn't that what it says in the, uh, in the even in the verse prior to that, verse 17, and have children and heirs and heirs of God. Fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Mm. And we know, I'm going to keep going back, that for those who love God and all things together, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I just want to encourage you with that this morning, that's all. As you see the scriptures. There's a day coming, but right now, we're in the here and now, and basically, I don't want to say we were going to deal with it, but we have to live through it. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Because somebody, can you testify by raising your saying, just think in your mind right now, some of the things you went through, but God worked that out for you, and you were just amazed how he did it. You were like, how? There's no way I could have figured that or planned that out, but that's how big he is, and he gets glory out of that. Amen. And he, he, he draws us.
to himself in them kind of situation. It draws us closer to him. He's so amazing. Can you imagine what went through Joseph's mind sitting there right next to Pharaoh saying, I would have never imagined this. He probably went back in time and thought about everything he went through and how God was faithful and ultimately where God put him right next to Pharaoh. We know the story. Even his brothers had to come and they had to bow before him as the dream said. Amen. What a powerful story. Only God, only God will get the glory when we go through things. Sometimes we're not going to understand them. We're going through them. But when he works it through us, he gets the glory and we're amazed. We are amazed. We are amazed of his faithfulness. I pray this morning that this little bread gave you some nourishment to continue in the faith because we need it. Amen. <laughs> I know some are really going through it in this sanctuary, and God knows that. But he is faithful. He is faithful. How is our faith going to be increased if it's not tested in the fire? If we don't go through some things, how are we to testify about Christ? How are we to show the world his glory in our life by the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Amen. We're no, no respecter of persons or men. But it's better to suffer for good than to suffer for unrighteousness. We all had a piece of that before prior to our con conviction, right? Prior to our con conversion, that we suffered for unrighteous things because of our own choices. But now it's different. He said, rejoice, what? for great is your reward in what? In heaven. So praise God. Amen. All things work together for good. All things. Amen. I'll say this one more thing that, you know, I believe what the Lord is saying in that scripture, that, that, that God is redeeming all things unto himself through Christ Jesus, right? The curse that came of the garden, the power of sin, and due to what he did at Calvary, he's redeeming all things to himself. It even talks about the creation groaning, right? It even talks about us groaning. Have you ever been in a place that the fire is so hot and you're like, Lord, come, Lord Jesus, quickly. Come, Lord, I'm tired of this world. But yet, we have to persevere and just keep trusting Him. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Hallelujah. If anybody needs prayer this morning, the altars are open. It's between you and God, amen. Or if you just want to sit there in your chair. Just meditate upon him for a little bit. I thank God for his faithfulness. I thank God that he's good. Especially in difficult situations, which is not easy to do. But in my heart, I'm like, Lord, you're faithful, man. I'm, I'm going through it, but I can trust you. I can trust you that you're going to lead me through this. And not only that, but this is a question we don't ask. What are you trying to teach me through all this? What are you trying to do to me in my life? What's the purpose in all this?
It's God's purpose. He's working all things. He's redeeming all things to himself, creation, all that. In the end, whosoever will, and those that have called upon his name, will be redeemed. All things will be redeemed back to him. We look at the picture of the garden, we think that's so beautiful, but what God has after the redeeming process is going to be so much more beautiful because all that's been done and all that he did to bring us into that, all that he's done, that he would have that relationship with us. I love my wife. We're close, amen? And there's times when I'm hurting, she's the one I can talk to, and she prays with me, and I do the same thing to her. We don't have a perfect marriage, and we're still growing in that, but there's just something about a comfort that you can go to someone and say, I'm hurting, I need prayer. And that's how it is with the Lord. When we love Him, when we're called according to His purpose, we can cry out to Him, and He converses with us, and He loves us. He strengthens us. He gives us exactly what we need. Amen.